Welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast, our first episode of the offseason. I'm excited to get back into football. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, trying to take in as much of the offseason as possible. And by saying I'm taking in as much of the offseason, I mean being away from football, Twitter, and all that. I have enjoyed my vacation. I've enjoyed just being able to spend time with my family and just veg out for a little bit. But now I kind of think of this time of the off season as like coming back to, let's say like summer school or something like that, where you recognize all the faces you, you know, you remember it, like you see all these people that, you know, like even being able to talk to you guys, because we haven't talked in what is it almost been like two months. It's been too uh, long. Too right. Long. So it's just like, you're coming back, seeing all your old friends and whatnot, but there's no, there's no big test. I mean, there's no games going on right now. It's just all about soaking up new information. So I'm happy to be here and talk with you guys for like the first video podcast we've done. I think this is like our first real show together, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Jen, how are you doing, Jen? I'm good. Uh, Like you, I've enjoyed the break. I've been kind of uh, one foot in, one foot out of of the football world. Um, It's nice to be back with you guys. Um, It's nice to kind of, like I said, dip one foot in. I'm not ready for full action quite yet, Um, but it is fun and a lot of moves and a lot of things have started to happen, which, uh, you know, makes you get a little tingly and excited for the season ahead. You know, and I think that we should, I guess, probably talk about that kind of stuff, right? Well, I guess, Brandon, how are you? We didn't really find out how you are. <laughs> right. How are, how are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good. I'll be honest. I missed you both. I uh, I, I kind of wandered aimlessly in the internet sphere <laughs> uh, with no one to listen to my uh, incredibly dull banter. And I, I need the, the self-affirming experience of speaking with the two of you each week. I need this. I need this in my life. And uh but I'm doing good. I uh, I'm I'm ready to get back into it. I'm very excited about all the activity that's gone on, and uh, let's let's get to it. Jen, what is in the news? News. All right, there's a lot of news. Obviously, a lot of stuff has gone down. A lot of stuff went down kind of last week before we uh, have have come together for the show. So we're gonna kind of back up a little bit and go over um, some of the trades that happened um, because there were some some pretty blockbuster ones that uh, will affect the fantasy world. Uh, number one is going to be Russell Wilson to Denver. Uh, basically, uh, the Seahawks received Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and a bunch of picks for Russell Wilson and a fourth rounder. So um, that's pretty, you know, I think it was shocking to me um, as the the resident, you know, Denver person um, of the show and a four for four. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. I think that, you know, it's a really good, I don't know, it's very reminiscent, of course, of, of Peyton Manning coming here. Um, you know, there was the abyss of the really bad uh, draft picks in Denver quarterbacks, you know, going through the Brock Osweiler and the Paxton Lynch and then Drew Locke. And then, you know, so I think it's exciting. I mean, Russell Wilson is, I think, three years younger than Peyton Manning was when he got here. He is healthier than Peyton Manning, or at least, you know, listen, the, the Colts, basically the Broncos didn't know what they were getting when they got Peyton Manning. You know, he was cast aside out to pasture with, with the neck and arm situation. And, you know, Russell Wilson's healthier. I think it's exciting. It's, it's invigorating for Russell to be, you know, out of that system into kind of a new system with, you know, a more offensive minded coach in Nathaniel Hackett. So I'm kind of excited about it. Chris, how are you feeling about it? I, I don't know. I mean, my, my brother, he lives out in the Seattle area uh, so we were kind of like indoctrinated into the whole like the 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 sea of twelves. Like we've been out there, 
uh, during like uh, when they're actually like a home game on Sunday in Seattle is something that I've never personally like experienced anywhere else where folks are out at bars and like the places like B-dubs is packed at like nine o'clock in the morning because like, you know, it's game day. So just like the whole, I guess, legend of Russell Wilson, the Legion of Boom and all the other stuff and just what he brought to that city and kind of revolutionized or I guess reinvigorated that fan base is just so it's kind of sad to see like the changing of the guard because like, it wasn't just him. It was also Bobby Wagner getting released. So essentially that entire Super Bowl team or that like I guess mini dynasty that they had for about four or five, six years or so, it's just all gone now. It's just completely broken up. So it is kind of sad to see that transition in just our little portion of history but for Russell Wilson, I'm excited to see him try and take this next step like in his career and at least stylistically looking at what they could possibly do in Denver. It doesn't seem to be completely different than what we would expect of him because, you know, they're bringing over they brought over Nathaniel Hackett, who was with Green Bay under Matt LaFleur. And looking at the way the offensive tendencies for the Packers for the past few years, it's not really that different from what Russell Wilson was doing in Seattle. They are running at a fairly slow pace. Actually, Aaron Rodgers and like the Packers, they're what, 31st, 32nd in neutral pace for the past couple of years. But while also, I mean, while that doesn't sound all that great for fantasy, we knew Aaron Rodgers was still a productive quarterback, especially uh, in terms of deep ball, in terms of fantasy points per game. I mean, all of those things kind of suit what Russell Wilson is as a quarterback. So I'm happy to see that he not only has, let's say, like I know folks that were looking at the list of weapons that he's going to have, right, from Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Albert O. I mean, all these guys, while they might be, I guess, collectively more than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and that's good for Russell Wilson, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to become some sort of fantasy point bonanza for the entire team. But I am excited to see him move on. I'm excited to see this new, this newish look for him in the AFC. I am kind of scared, though, because my, my Bengals now have a, another team to get through on their path to the Super Bowl this year, which I'm, I'm calling my shot right now. I'm not going to get disappointed again this year. Call it. Call it. Enjoy this, Chris. Enjoy uh, but, I, but I'm excited to see him, him take this next step. But, uh, Brandon, I mean, how, how are you digging this whole move? Uh, so I owe you an apology, Chris, because you talked about how Russell Wilson was probably going to get traded in the offseason, and there was all the rumors and chatter, and I scoffed at you. I, the full-on <laughs> scoff. I remember the scoffing. I wasn't going to old takes expose you or anything. Like, I wasn't going to do that to you. I, Look, I own, I own my, uh, my mistakes. And I was, I was shocked. I just didn't understand. It. I still don't understand it. I want a 30 for 30 about uh -huh. how this happened. That's what yeah. I want. Was it Pete Carroll? Was it, did they not get along? In which case, why did they pick Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson's the greatest player in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, uh, all due respect to Steve Largent and Sean Alexander, but I don't think it's particularly close. And I, I just don't get how it happened. I'm really worried about DK Metcalf. I'm really worried about Tyler Lockett. Um, Metcalf didn't make a thousand yards last year and struggled. It was inconsistent last season because Russell Wilson was out of the lineup. And now you're looking at Seattle and it sounds like they're not in on Deshaun Watson uh, at the moment. This is, you know, treacherous to say anything hours before it's actually going to post but at the moment sure. Jacob Eason's the only player uh under contract on that roster whether they bring in a rookie in a draft class full of unproven talent or uh you know a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Marcus Mariota which is a question mark as well I I'm very worried about DK Metcalf's status as a top 10 fantasy receiver which is something that I think most people consider him 
Uh, on the flip side, while I'm with you, Chris, I don't think this is a fantasy bonanza where we need to buy everybody. I certainly think that it's more appealing to to go into Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Albert O. Uh, I, I want to see, obviously, there's a lot of offseason, see if they add another tight end, uh, see what else happens. But uh, the guy I think this helps the most, along with the news that Melvin Gordon and the Broncos are far apart, is Javante Williams. Russell Wilson can hand the ball off, and, and that's not a knock on him, but uh, he's best when he can utilize the play action and take advantage of deep shots downfield, which should help Jerry Judy and should help Javante Williams. And I think that that solid offensive line, second year in the system, I think all systems go for Williams. And unless they do something crazy like draft Brees Hall in the second round, I think Javante Williams is going to be a mid-first rounder for me, and I'm going to be psyched about taking him. I agree. I'm excited about Javante. I was excited about him last year. I'm excited about him. And also, you know, Russell Wilson is getting an upgrade defensively too, which will help the offense in general. So that's also good. Um, shall we move on to the next little uh, trade that happened? And that would be, I don't know how exciting it is for you guys. For me, it's a meh, but uh, Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders, which that's the first time I've said that professionally uh, this, this season, right, yeah. the Commanders. It feels uh, so good. yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I don't hate it. I, you know, at that point, I got Washington football team. Like I was down. I was kind of used to it. They should have just kept it. My problem is I keep saying the commandos, and that means something completely different. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my only issue. (laughs) So Colts get two uh, two picks this year, a second and a third. Uh, They get a next year third round pick that becomes a second if Wentz plays seventy percent of the snaps. And then uh, the uh, and that's for Wentz and a t- and this year's second. So Wentz to Washington. I personally am not a Wentz backer. I never have been. I just he's just done nothing to dazzle me um, in in the last couple seasons, fantasy and real life. So you know, I, it's kind of a meh. I, I know that they. I don't know. I don't have a, a huge opinion on it. Chris, what do you got? I, I just think that it's like you were saying. It's just kind of meh. If the question that you're trying to answer with this whole Wentz trade was is he better than Taylor Heineke okay fine they answered that question with the with a correct answer now was that the only answer though that was presented to them and for that for for them to not only trade for him but also take on the contract I get that he that there's no dead money going on for him in 23 but still, it's just I, I'm wondering what was said between the two, between the uh, the ownership, like or the front offices on both sides to make that happen, because they know about the drama that happened with Carson Wentz when he left Philadelphia. And so now for Frank Reich, who was essentially his only backer to also be out on him at this point, it's just now you're not you're not taking just damage goods, just like damage, damage goods at this point. So I'm, I would just love to be a fly on the wall like during that negotiation process. And it's not just Carson Wentz at, like from a financial standpoint, but we've all watched him from like be the guy that the Eagles thought he was going to be to where he's at right now. And to say, oh, how the mighty have fallen is something of an understatement. Like when his first couple of seasons there in Philly, we thought that he was at least going to be a, let's say at best, let's say Derek Carrion type of quarterback let's let's leave it let's leave it like that i like Derek carrion i like yeah, that i like i think that's the best like way to kind of put like where his like career trajectory was at like when he first started slightly mobile decent arm kind of erratic but if you put him in the right system he could flourish 
And that really, like, the numbers kind of bore out because he was towards the, at least in the top half of the league in both EPA per play and completion percentage over expected. But over the past three years, he's been below average in both metrics. I mean, he was almost like, he was dead last, like, before he got booted out of Philadelphia last year. So, and like in this year, there wasn't any sort of market improvement, despite the fact that he had a better offensive line. I mean, I guess you could argue the pass catchers around him, what, he had the, what, second year Michael Pittman, uh, what, the tight ends like Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox. I mean, he didn't really have a ton of work around. T.Y. Hilton was hurt for a, like a decent segment of it as well. Regardless, I think that Jacksonville game essentially sealed the deal if he wasn't already, didn't already have like both feet in the grave like prior to that. So I get why they've done the, like why they made the move, but it's just, I, a lot of folks are saying this is the best uh, quarterback that Terry McCoy ever had. That's not saying much. <laughs> and for the rest of the and for anybody, any of the other pass catchers that folks like might have been like excited about Logan Thomas, et cetera, et cetera. It's just kind of a for me, it's just a lateral move. Like we were just talking about with the Denver guys. I'm actually more excited to draft some of those guys. Uh, there's not it really doesn't move the needle for me for any of the guys that are a part of Washington's so like from a personnel standpoint, I might take those guys at ADP. And that's OK. But otherwise, it's just a meh move for me at this point. Yeah, I was more excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick last year than I am for Carson Wentz. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Wentz, you know, to play a little devil's advocate, I'm not, I don't really disagree with you. Um, but, you know, Wentz was 27 touchdowns, seven picks last year. Um, Heineke turned the ball over a lot. That was uh, kind of his, the probably the nail in his coffin as the starting quarterback in Washington. Um, so I think they probably looked at what Wentz did in Indy last year, deleted the Jacksonville game tape at all. Uh, completely because because we know that's what happened Jim Ursay saw Carson Wentz going to Chipotle right before the game and was like are you sure this is a good idea and Wentz is like I got it we're gonna make the playoffs it's Jacksonville Ursay was like okay he go went out crapped the bed completely and uh and Jim Ursay said no you're out of here I you, I will not have you eating Chipotle before we play the Jags again I think that's that's the only explanation for what happened in that Jaguars game. Uh, but 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, I think that's probably appealing to Washington. It might make Washington win a couple more games because um, they've got a good defense. They've got a good offensive line. They've got Antonio Gibson. I think that uh, Michael Pittman's breakout season where he had 1,000 yards and six touchdowns last year, I think was a lot due to Wentz's efficiency. He was very efficient last year, completed 62.4% of his passes, uh, and that Jacksonville game took it down a notch. Uh, but you saw him, yeah, but you saw him when he had to throw the ball more than 30, 35 times, he struggled. When he threw the ball 20, 27 times, uh, that team hummed, and he threw multiple touchdowns, and he was a viable fantasy streamer. Uh, I think that we might see similar production this year. I'm not worried about Terry McLaurin because I don't think that – I don't think Wentz is going to be any worse than Heineke. I think that the gunslinging mentality, uh, while that might help McCorn, it also created too many turnovers. So I'm still buying, like you said, Chris, the Washington weapons in the same way I was before. I'm not really concerned. Uh, but I am I am kind of eyeing Wentz in the same way that I eyed him last year as a streamable QB1 option in one quarterback leagues. Uh, good matchups where I think it's going to be ball control and hope for two, three touchdowns. I think that that's going to be very possible. And I think Washington, when they struck out on Russell Wilson, they just thought uh, we need an upgrade and this is going to do it. Uh, they, they're they going to pay a lot of money for it, but I think that's what they were thinking. Yeah, I can already see my future 
uh, in writing the quarterback streaming column this year, and I'm still going to be writing up Carson Wentz again, but now I'm just going to have to change the initials or whatever after and just say, instead of uh, Colts, it'll just be Commanders. Yay. You know, guys, I was just looking. Our uh, our 4 for 4 underdog uh, fantasy ADP app is now up and running. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah, so I was just looking at Terry is currently going as – uh, wide receiver 17 in the fourth round. So his ADP is right now is 38. So that seems, that seems about right. Honestly, yeah. that seems yeah. about right. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, Jen Colts wise, like we got to assume we're not going into the season with Sam Ellinger as the, the starting quarterback. Right. And what kind of options do they have available? How worried are you about the offensive weapons in Indy? You know, I feel like I've been kind of, I think I've been, we've all kind of been out on them for a couple of years now. So it just kind of will continue that way for me. I think Mo Alley Cox and, and, you know, is, is going to be, didn't Doyle retire? Did I read that somewhere? Yeah. Doyle, Doyle retired and, and yeah. the Colts did re-sign Alley Cox. So Alley Cox was like will two be year, back. three year deal or something like that. Three years. I yeah. Think. So yeah. I feel like he'll be viable in best ball. I don't know if he'll be, a, you know, a redraft tight end, um, but I think, yeah. And you know, I mean, Pittman's always kind of around, but I don't think that I will be going after or any of those guys it depends i mean we'll see what happens if they somehow land some you know if they land watson or i don't know if they you know something happens where um they get a viable quarterback then that would possibly raise some of the but you know it's always kind of the same you got paris campbell you got you know they're all kind of there but none of them are really super sexy to me at least i don't know um all right should we move on to uh this is so the, the basically before we hit free agency which we know is, is a lot um there was one more trade uh we had amari cooper to the browns and uh, basically dallas is getting a fifth round pick and then both teams essentially just swapped six rounders uh and so yeah amari cooper is now going to the browns um i actually wrote an article uh for four for four that came out yesterday that kind of highlighted uh, my, my feelings on it. And I will just sum it up very quickly. I'm not, not super psyched. I think Cooper will be a nice, uh, person in PPR. Cause I think he's going to get a lot of targets, but I just think in that, in that Kevin Skafanski offense, I just don't see it happening. He just can't really support a legit wide receiver one. It's just way too run heavy. Um, they were, I believe they ran the six most times uh, last year, and then they were like 28th or 29th in passing. So I just think that um, while Amari Cooper's great, he is aging a little bit, and I think he will be get a lot of targets. So I think PPR-wise, he may be all right, but I don't know that he's going to be like a wide receiver. I consider him like a wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver two, depending if they upgrade from Baker. I'm just not a Baker fan, so I don't think – I think between Baker and Stefanski, it's kind of a no for me. What do you guys think, Chris? Uh, I'm kind of in your camp. I mean, it's I've been an Amari Cooper fan just because like wide receivers has been one of the positions I've typically looked at. And uh, with his route running ability, I think he would pop like he would probably be a good fit for Baker because that's essentially the type of receiver that he needs. I mean, Baker Mayfield, like for all of his strengths, I mean, being accurate, like when accurate when needed, not necessarily something that you're looking at. I mean, he was, I think, at the uh, bottom half of the league in terms of completion percentage over expected uh, last season. Uh, he was also, I mean, he struggled across the middle of the field, which has kind of been one of his calling cards. I mean, deep ball, he was fine, but how often are you going to be able to do that? Now, I know injuries for him was the biggest story for him and essentially like the rest of the like parts of the offense as well for last season. Season. But 
if it's if we're still talking about like you were talking about Jen, if it's still going to be more of a run first type offense. I mean, bottom half of the league in terms of uh, neutral passing, uh, neutral passing rate. It's just what can we really expect from Amari Cooper, where he goes from a team that was doing more things downfield and passing at a at, a, at an above average rate, like at least compared to the rest of the league, now to a less accurate quarterback on a team that runs fewer plays then also doesn't pass as frequently so it's just i i think it's both teams now i think have gotten have wound up in worse situations because i don't think that the browns are really ready to take on like this type of a pass catcher right now but that doesn't preclude them from drafting a wide receiver i'm still hearing uh, at least i've seen a couple of mocks where they are looking at still drafting a wide receiver in this year's class which Looking at the prospects coming out right now, not too terrible. But as of right now, on paper, I just I, I, like the previous move we were discussing. I'm just kind of meh about the about the whole thing on both sides of the ball. Like for or not both sides of the ball on both sides of the trade. I mean, for both Cleveland and Dallas at this point, because we still have question marks about Dallas's offense. Dallas did re-sign Michael Gallup though, uh, right after. So uh, yeah. sign me up for Gallup. Sign me, me up. Me too. For I'm all about injured Gallup. Michael Gallup though. I, I think mean, like, um, uh... I think CD is going to be very expensive. I think yes. he's going to be. He might even creep into the late first round. Um, right now, I believe at least yesterday I was doing my article. I think he's at twenty. Like that's yeah. his ADP right mm-hmm. now. So and he's and, just people are just going to like him more and yeah. more. Uh, Cedric Wilson's gone. Uh, you know he's in Miami. So. Uh, you know, there's not anybody else there. It's going to be those two, at least the, the way I feel. Uh, they could draft somebody, I suppose. Or and Dalton Schultz. In, uh, Dalton Woo-hoo! Schultz as well. Yep, Dalton Schultz I'm I'm, I'm in on. But uh, yeah, I, I think Gallup is going to get those looks. I think that moving Cooper was uh, a vote of confidence for Michael Gallup. But I'm with you guys on Amari Cooper. Like, I, I, I like the player, like the talent, hate the position uh, for all the reasons that you both just said. So those are all the trades. Um, and then we've got a couple little, you know, we've got uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I guess we have to talk about that, right, for a minute. If not, uh, we get a nasty note from John Paul. Right. We don't talk about Green Bay. <laughs> Depends what we say. Depends yeah. what we say. <laughs> um, I did read today that Adams is going to refuse to be playing on the tag. So that should be interesting to kind of see what happens there. I mean, you guys have any thoughts on either one of those guys? or You got to think they get it done. I You got to think that, uh, you know, they're clearing space right now. And I think a big reason why they're clearing space is to make Devontae Adams the highest paid receiver in the history of the game. We just saw Christian Kirk get a ridiculous amount of money. So Devontae Adams's uh, agent probably did like a spit take at, the, at those numbers and is yeah, now yeah. like buying extra homes and things like that <laughs> in, in the Caribbean. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that deal will get done. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I, my this is just complete assumption at this point. But my my thought is that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have agreed to come back if he didn't at least have some sort of assurances that they would wind up bringing back the wide receiver that he's passed the most to has the most rapport to and the one that's I mean likely is to be there because we're hearing reports or we're seeing reports about Marcus Valdez Scantling yeah uh, getting to- some run in free agency at this point it looks like he might be signing elsewhere so I mean if Devontae Adams isn't there and Aaron. I mean, honestly, if I was Aaron Rodgers at this point, Devontae Adams is coming back and be like, you know what? I will retire now. Yeah. I mean, because you're looking at, you know, I mean, Alan tight Lazard. End. Yeah. Alan Lazard and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Montana. Tunyon? No, the other dudes. Segu- oh, yeah. Zaguara. Yeah. Josiah. Yeah. Josiah. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. Josiah. I was thinking Jesse. Brown. Yeah. yeah. 
those guys. I'd love to see them get in the Jarvis Landry sweepstakes. I, I've heard rumors Kansas City and uh, yeah. lots of different teams being interested. New Orleans of was the other one I heard. Uh, New Orleans, that's right. You're, you're, that's right. Um, I'd love to see Green Bay get involved in that. I feel like that would be a great fit as well. But sure. Yeah, I none of that's going to affect anything. Rodgers is still going to be a, a very solid uh, fantasy quarterback to go after. Usually is available at a time that maybe he shouldn't be in drafts. You can usually snatch him up in the seventh round or so because mm-hmm. he's aging. Uh, and then Devontae Adams, you know, arguably the best receiver in football. Arguably. For sure. Um, the other thing that happened last week that we can touch on real quick um, is just Chris Godwin and Mike Williams staying with their teams. Um you know, that's something that uh, I think they were both, you know, th- there was speculation of them both possibly going elsewhere. Godwin, obviously, now that Tom Brady is back, that, you know, I guess changes that. And then Williams uh, was extended as well. Do either of you have thoughts on either of that? I mean, for for Godwin, I know they're still trying to work out a long-term deal for him because this will be, what, second year on the franchise tag, which is a pretty hefty uh, hit against the cap especially now with Tom Brady coming back, I would think now that the Bucks are going to be even more incentivized uh, to find restructure his current deal because they're going to need to make space for whatever other free agents or guys that were intended to hit free agency for the Bucks. I'm sure now they'll probably want to stay now that one of the best quarterbacks in all of football has decided to unretire and come back to the squad. And they're down two guards already. They're going to have right. to. Right, Ali Marpet. Uh, and then that. also they lost who was the one that just signed with Cincinnati today. I forget his name. Uh, Crap. Uh, Kappas, the, Alex yes. Kappas, I think. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. We need Justin Edwards for the offense. Yeah, exactly. Line. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so that's the domino that now falls. I mean, that's, that's essentially two dominoes that have fallen for the Bucks that they really essentially didn't plan for. They probably were like, okay, we'll tag Godwin and figure something out. But they figured they might have had the cap space in order to figure things out. But with Brady coming back, now it's like, oh, well, shoot. We have to pay him and then all the other guys that we want to try and bring in so we can try and you know push all of our chips in and see if we can take over the NFC since at least, at least their path to, get, uh, to getting back to the Super Bowl is a bit easier now with the NFC South in complete disarray unless Deshaun Watson winds up going there at some point. But I think the between him, uh, between the Bucks, and then what with Mike Williams now with his deal, I mean, it looks like the Chargers are essentially – they are doing what smart teams would do when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, signing Mike Williams, I mean, making the trades that they have so far in order to bolster their defense, what with the signing of JC Jackson earlier today. And then who was the, uh, the defensive player that they, that they, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Thank you from Chicago. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, this is what you do. If you have a smart team that's willing to know what they have on offense know what they need to work on on defense. And now that their Super Bowl odds have probably increased dramatically over the past few days. So I think those are, I mean, those are two teams now. It's just like, you really do need to watch out like from a fantasy standpoint, like what can we now, like how are we now going to be valuing these guys moving forward? But like Jen was mentioning, I mean, a lot of those guys are now going to be available in spots that we can probably, I'll now be more interested in picking those guys up than I was just a couple days ago. I'm going to change my name to what Chris said. I just, I don't have anything (laughs) to add to that. (laughs) I, nothing nothing interesting except just I agree with everything Chris just said. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, we can touch on, I mean, listen, there's a ton of free agency stuff that happened on Monday and will be continuing to happen. Um, but let's just touch on a couple real quick that, that might be a little bit, you know, people might be interested in. Uh, we got Mitch Trubisky. I mean, we won't spend a lot of time on him, but <laughs> he did he did sign a two year two year two year deal with the Steelers. Um, I personally I'm kind of surprised that he kind of 
I don't want to say committed this early, but I thought that maybe he would drag it out a little bit and maybe see more teams. I mean, I don't know. I guess I know he was rumored to the Giants for a while, uh, but he signed with the Steelers. Uh, do you guys feel that that makes a difference for their pass catchers, for him? Are you in? Are you out, Chris? What do you got? He's better than Ben Roethlisberger was at the end of his career, <laughs> so I think we're good. A good for Deontay. Uh, that's all I'll say. A clear opportunity to start for the for this guy. Allen Robinson was top 16 in fantasy points per game the two years prior to uh, to last year with Mitch Trubisky playing poorly. So uh, Mitch Trubisky now on a Steelers team where outside of the offensive line, he's got more weapons than he's ever had to work with, um, you, you know, in Chicago. So I, I love that. Deontay Johnson should be fine. He's going to air it out. Chase Claypool, he's probably going to have an opportunity to work with. Uh, and Najee Harris should should get a little bit of a benefit there because there's going to be a threat for Mitch Trubisky to run as well. And I think that, uh, I think, I think it's a nice opportunity for him. We'll see if they still draft somebody. They might, we'll see if they make him fight with Mason Rudolph and how much of a push Rudolph makes. I think that the best case scenario fantasy wise for everybody though, is for Mitch Trubisky to just be the starter, go into the season as the starter and be confirmed. And I will draft Mitch Trubisky. He will be late. very cheap and yeah. he'll, he'll be a great best ball guy to snag at the end that he could have some, you know, three or four spike weeks and your love and life. Yeah. So uh, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, the only other thing we, I mean, there, there's a ton that we could talk about. The only thing I kind of wanted to mention real quick is just the Jaguars. Like, backing up the truck and just hiring every or signing every single wide receiver out there and Evan Ingram. I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that I understand they're trying to help out Trevor Lawrence, They're you know, but now it's just, as we say in this podcast, a lot of Merc. Now we've got even the Jaguars wide receiver room is always Merc. And now it's even more, I mean, it is a big, huge pile of Merc. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I guess I don't understand the move unless like right now on paper, I don't understand the move because it's just the, the team needed like so much else as of right now. I mean, Jacksonville, they were, I think about like right below league average in terms of pass block win rate. So as an offensive line on the whole, it seemed like they needed a bunch of help. And so unless their plan is to maybe make some more free agent signings or they plan on drafting a couple of uh, O-linemen. I think from the mocks that I've seen, there are maybe um, three or four good like first-round prospects like from an uh, offensive line standpoint. But again, we'd like to talk with our expert Justin Edwards on stuff like that. But what's the, what's the plan here for, for all these pass catchers? Because last year we were struggling to figure out how they were going to get LaVisca Chenault involved. So now if they weren't able to figure that out, but now they've added two other wide receivers, at least one of them, at least kind of mimic what Chanel does. I really don't know what to expect out of this offense in 2022, to be quite honest. Yeah. And you've got Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you got... uh, yeah. What are we doing? I'm so sad as, as the, uh, the biggest Dan Arnold fan in the history of the game. <laughs> it's fine. Ingram will, Ingram will be hurt by week two and <laughs> you know, it's fine. Totally yeah. fine. You can still draft Dan Arnold with, with confidence. You'll be, you'll be good. <laughs> Um, are we interested in Christian Kirk? Because Kirk, uh, you know, Christian Kirk All-Stars <laughs> is a thing on this podcast. The up and down, uh, frustrating to start. Obviously, he has value in best ball because he is going to have those games where he blows up and he's he's pretty cheap. And so you can have him mm -hmm. on a roster and be okay. Um, but they paid him like a wide receiver one. And when they put that big of an investment in him, it makes me think at least he's going to get all the snaps. And he's not 
a player without talent. And so I wonder in a redraft format where you have to set a lineup every week, he's still probably going to be pretty cheap. Are we interested in him, Jen? I don't know, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have too much PTSD. I don't know if I can get it out of my, the thought of like the thought of looking at his name every week and deciding whether to slot him in there or not. Like, I don't know if my heart can take it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's such a, it's one of those guys every week you look at him and you're like, you know, for that flex spot, you're like, God, you know, so I don't know. I think a fresh start, a different team, possibly, like you said, he's not without talent. You know, it just, in Arizona, it was just, it was hit or miss. He was like a, a an 18 point or a zero, you know, every week. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, for myself, depending of course, you know, how training camp goes and how that Jaguars wide receiver room kind of pans itself out. Um, but, you know, there, there's a non-zero chance that I would draft him, but I'm not really sure. We'll have to see. At least for me, it just comes down to can he be effective as the guy that, like you were outlining, Brandon, like that they've paid him to be. If they've paid him like a wide receiver one, can he function as one, even though statistically speaking he hasn't operated as one? Now, DeAndre Hopkins came over to Arizona in he's been there two years now. So in 2020, he played the full season with Christian Kirk there. So we didn't really get a chance to see Kirk on his own. But we saw that this past year with Hopkins dealing with his injury that essentially had him sidelined for about half the season. And so uh, looking at PFF, one of the statistics they use is a yards per route run efficiency stat. And with Hopkins on the field, uh, Christian Kirk had a 2.08 uh, yards per route run. So that put him up with some of the other wide receiver ones in the league. So like Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, guys like that. So that's good. But without DeAndre Hopkins, he actually fell down to a 1.6 yards per route run. So he was down around Tyler Boyd, Adam Thielen. So it's like you could see like the drop off between him and the uh, between him and the rest of the offense, like when they didn't have that number one receiver out there on the lead, uh, on the uh, on the field with him. So if we don't have that other guy, like if he doesn't have another field stretcher, like the Marvin Jones S like type of guy to pull a defense away to allow him to operate in those intermediate to deep ish areas of the field that he was capable of doing last year. I don't really know what we can expect. And also what type of routes is he going to be running? Because like we were talking earlier, I mean, he can't, he does have a diverse route tree, but is he going to be asked to do the same things that LaVisca Chenault was going to do? Or is he going to be asked to do some of the stuff that DJ Chark was doing where he was running when he had a higher dot, that 13, 14, 15 yard dot? So it's just without having any sort of expectation about what this offense is going to be expected to, how he's going to operate in this offense. I really can't put any sort of value on him at this point, especially seeing how he, I mean, it's, and we can't say that Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. So it's just we're moving from a least a good situation to, at the very least, a minimally worse situation. It could be great in the long term, but I don't know. For At least for this year, I, I might be out on Christian Kirk just to see how things work out. Super risky, super risky. He'll be cheap, but redraft, like you both yeah. said, tough to – Tough to, to bank on that. Uh, lots of other free agency things to talk about. We won't get too far to that. We're running low on time. And also, John Daigle uh, will probably cover all this news in depth on the Thursday episode. He also has a fantastic tracker available at 4for4.com. Go check it out. Uh, he's monitoring not only the fantasy-relevant positions, but also guards and tackles and the defensive players. And as we're starting to learn in this uh, ever-expanding fantasy industry, every position matters in some regard, whether it's game script or anything else. Before we get into our stat of the week, I wanted to mention this is the 500th episode of the Most Accurate Podcast. 500. And uh, to celebrate, we're going to give away a free 4 for 4 Pro subscription, 
All you need to do is enter. All you need to do to enter is subscribe to our YouTube channel. Send a screenshot to our Twitter account. That's at four for four football. That's four F O R four football. Uh, so go subscribe, send that screenshot over on Twitter, and we will announce a winner uh, within the next week or so. And uh, yeah, get it, get your free subscription, and congratulations to uh, everyone, not just the three of us, but uh, John Paulson, Anthony Stalter, John Daigle, and the four for four crew in general on 500 episodes. So uh, we want to. I want to start something for this off season for fun. We're going to go into a new segment called Stat of the Week. Chris, what do you have for us this week? All right. So since this week is our 500th episode, I wanted to, and that's a huge milestone. So like you were saying, congrats to all the four for fours that have been putting the show together for however long and making sure that we have a platform in order to spread some of this news. And so since it's a big milestone, I figured I'd use a milestone statistic for this first episode that we've got going here today. Uh, So number 500, I went ahead and looked at some of the quarterbacks that have actually passed for 500 yards because at least seemed to be the most realistic uh, milestone that some sort of football player could have surpassed like in a single game or not. And it's only been 15 times, 15 times since 1940 that a quarterback has surpassed like 500 yards in a single game. And of those 15 passers, actually Drew Brees, he's done it twice. Uh, Other notable players or quarterbacks that have surpassed like 500 yards in a game, uh, Eli Manning, he's done it. Tom Brady, of course. Like, uh, why was I not surprised to see him on there? Ben Roethlisberger, Boomer Esiason, to go back to talking about my Bengals. And then, of course, the most, like, the strangest one that I saw in there, Matt Schaub. Uh, Matt Schaub passed for 500 yards. I don't know if he actually threw a pick six in that game on top of that, since I know that's what he was mostly known for. But for, I mean, for all of that, uh, that is my stat uh, for the week. All of the quarterbacks that or at least notable quarterbacks, at least in, in my time playing fantasy, uh, that have surpassed like 500 yards in a single game. But congrats to the 4-4 crew for 500 episodes. Uh, that's a great stat. I oddly remember that Boomer Esiason game. I know he played for the Cardinals at the time, which was people forget he played for the Cardinals. I mm-hmm. Somewhere in the 90s, I don't remember. But I oddly remember he did it against Washington, and it was a, a big deal uh, in all my fantasy leagues that I was in. We rushed out to get the USA Today the next morning and record our box scores with Boomer Esiason just blowing away yard. <laughs> there was actually, uh, I forget which game it was that I was looking at. I think it was probably the uh, one where yeah it was uh when tom brady f- threw for uh for over 500 yards he actually did it against uh chad henney and chad henney actually threw for 400 yards in that game so almost <laughs> like a thousand total yards passing in that game that would have just been an absolute crazy fantasy game to wow. actually watch with that much total yardage like in a single game i should remember i'm a dolphins fan i should remember that game that, that was definitely a dolphins game if chad henney was throwing <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at I have it pulled up on PFR right now. It's like Wes Welker, I think, or no, Aaron Hernandez like had over 100 yards. Wes Welker had like 160 yards in that game. I mean, it was really good. Brandon Marshall had like 130 yards or something. Yeah, something like yeah. It was just a, a crazy game from a fantasy standpoint. Fun trivia: Who's the last quarterback to do it? The most recent one. Uh, the most recent one was actually Drew Brees back in 2015, if I'm remembering my. That's year what career. I was going to guess. You, are you sure? Are you sure? I, I, I'm. I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I, I wouldn't mess with was, Brandon on trivia. But I know you're the you're the trivia guy. <laughs> the, uh, somebody threw for 525 yards the day after Christmas this year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who was that? That's that your boy. That? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow when he had an onslaught of fantasy production the last couple of, uh, weeks of the season. That's uh, right. Yeah. I, which let's let's make this a little bit actionable. Um, based on the tear that Burrow went through, because Burrow had a very up and down fantasy year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was very good, great quarterback, got a bright future. But from a fantasy perspective, this year Burrow wasn't didn't really perform up to his ADP. I think people were expecting him to uh, be more consistent with fantasy points, and he wasn't. Uh, But at the end of the year, he finished on an absolute tear. Uh, Carried that into the playoffs, was phenomenal. Uh, Should we draft him accordingly? Should we draft him like he's going to continue that production this year? Or should we kind of still take a wait-and-see approach with him? How are you both approaching it? Uh, Well, I'll let Jen actually answer this one first. Before I go off on a Bengals title. <laughs> yeah, as a non-biased fantasy player, uh, I think, I, I don't know. I, actually, I was I was doing a quick look-see to see uh, where he was going at the moment. He is right now on underdog. He is going as QB5. At, uh, his ADP is 57.7. So you'll have to pay for him. So you will have to pay for him, and I'm not sure that I will. I think it depends. I mean, in super flex leagues, I may you know grab him early, but I am not an early round QB person. Definitely in redraft and uh, best ball, depending. But you know the, uh, you know the uh, what's it called? You know the stacks. You know the Chase and Higgins stacks are always nice in best ball. So um, you know you do have to pay up for him. I'm not sure that I will, but I think he will be uh, a very viable fantasy quarterback this season. That's for sure. First in completion percentage over expected this past year, top 10 in EPA per play. I mean, he's a good quarterback, and that was with a poor offensive line because, as we saw with the very last play of the Super Bowl, that is what wound up doing them in. But now with the changes that they've made to the offensive line, at least just on the first day with the free agent signings, we should at least hope that their offensive line should be able to hold up a bit more. Uh, But they didn't really – do a ton different offensively. Now the shift at the beginning of the year to them being more run heavy, or at least let's say they're passing less. I think they were actually like 30 or 31st in pass rate over expectation for the first like two to three weeks of the season. They've moved up to 13th overall in terms of uh, passing on early downs in neutral situations. So it's not like they essentially, uh, they turned into like Tampa Bay or some other like pass heavy type of offense. So even if they're, let's say middle of the road in terms of passing, and Burrow continues the same level of efficiency that he had last year, and we're still bringing back most of the pass catchers. We saw earlier today that C.J. Uzama has already moved on, so we'll see what they do at the tight end position or if they just continue to try and use Tyler Croft. I don't know, but they still have the trio, so they're good there from a wide receiver standpoint. Still got Joe Mixon, so on and so forth. So at least I can see how he could, at the very least, meet expectations for where he's at right now. I don't know about exceeding them because that's asking for quite a bit. But for where he's being drafted right now and how he's being valued, so if you're telling me he's quarterback, let's say, uh, let's say somewhere between like seven and ten, okay, fine, I think I'm okay with that. And then if he also tries to add in any sort of mobility this year as well, after another year removed, like from the ACL tear, even though he wound up hurting his MCL like during the Super Bowl, okay, fine. I mean that's just a cherry on top at that point. But I think at the very least, if the offensive line is a bit more stable, allow him to do a little bit more behind the uh, behind the pocket or in the pocket rather, then I think that could at least provide him a, like at least a stance or at least a, a path to returning the value that he's currently being drafted at. That makes sense. I will be interested in uh, where he goes, and I think you're right. If he starts to slide, he'll be someone I scoop up, but I might not pay 
uh, for him as is. Uh, I think we can close out. Great first uh, video episode and first off-season episode of 2022. I'm excited for many, many more. Uh, so thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking this out and have a good day. <laughs>